Welcome to the College Radio Day White House Special. This one-hour simulcast is put together by college radio stations across the country and students from College Radio Day who were invited to the White House on September 24th, featuring exclusive content such as our 2015 College Radio Day keynote interview with Stuart Copeland, Grammy Award-winning drummer of The Police and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Well, I was an ex-college jock myself at UC Berkeley, KALX. In those days, every radio station across the land made its own decisions about what it would play. Interviews with White House officials on important student issues. This is White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest, and I wish everyone out there a happy College Radio Day. An interview with Mike D'Antonio from Kill Switch Engage. I want to say thank you to college radio stations out there. It is a big thrill to have you guys around and we really appreciate everything you do, so thank you so much. College radio and culture editor and co-founder of Radiosurvivor.com, Jennifer Waits. When I go out and visit college radio stations and talk to college radio participants, I see that people are as engaged as they ever were. Singer-songwriter William Elliott Whitmore. I think college radio stations are one of the most important things an institution of learning can even have and shout-outs from college radio stations across the country. Welcome to the 5th Annual College Radio Day Simulcast. Long live college radio. College radio plays an immense role in discovering new music. It's our job to shine a light on the artists that deserve it. When we play a song on college radio, you hear the passion of the air talent or the DJ. Supporting the unsigned, the local, and the independent. Personally, I feel like I'm impacting the music scene. College Radio plays a huge role in discovery of these smaller bands, these bands that might be going on even in your backyard, but you don't even know about them because they're not getting played on major stations yet. College Radio, it's your authentic guide to the next generation of music. First, a word from Anthony Saya, president of College Radio Day and former station manager for KUOI at the University of Idaho on the occasion of our fifth annual College Radio Day. Hello, my name is Anthony Saya, president of College Radio Day. It has been my honor to serve as president of the board of directors for College Radio Day 2015. When I signed up my station for the first College Radio Day in 2010, I had no idea I'd be holding this position today and addressing all those stations, DJs, staff, volunteers, listeners, and college radio supporters five years later. It has been a wonderful journey to get to this point, and College Radio Day has afforded myself, my college radio station, and you, the college radio listeners, some amazing opportunities along the way. Without the support of you, the loyal listener, college radio stations would cease to exist. Therefore, I think I can speak for all involved that we thank you all for being with us and standing up for some of the bravest media organizations in the world. College radio is strong. College radio is fearless. College radio is passionate. College radio is the best. We have some amazing things in store for you in today's celebration. While we have taken the time to hone our message over the years with themes like This Time It's Global, where we took College Radio Day and expanded it to 585 college radio stations from 29 different countries, to 2013, where we said, if you care about music, you care about college radio. And in 2014, college radio is where it all begins. This year, College Radio Day 2015, our theme is your authentic guide to the next generation of music. I'm proud to announce that on collegeradio.org, we have launched a new site called New Music Faster, where you'll have the opportunity to read music reviews, 
Listen to tunes and share with us as we discover and share with you new music for this generation. Now sit back and relax as we bring you the College Radio Day simulcast from the White House, where some of your fellow college radio stations and DJs have the opportunity to interview Valerie Jarrett, Senior Advisor to the President of the United States, Cecilia Munoz, Assistant to the President for Domestic Policy, and Josh Ernest, the White House Press Secretary, as they spoke with us about It's On Us, a campaign to raise awareness and prevent sexual assault on college campuses, college affordability, and the college scorecard, and how college radio is relevant to everyone around the country. You'll also hear from Jennifer Waits, founder of Radio Survivor, as she discusses the importance of college radio and how it continues to thrive, and our keynote interview from Stuart Copeland, drummer of The Police. Thank you for all of your support over the past five years and the support today by listening to your college radio station. I'm Anthony Saya. Long live college radio. Hi, I'm Silas Kazangwa, station manager of 90.3 WMSC-FM, Montclair State's underground radio. We share the mission of this incredible day, which makes us eager participants every year. We congratulate all of you for your contributions to this great medium. From all of us to all of you, happy College Radio Day. Hi, this is Jarrett Brown from WDSR at DeSales University in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. And we believe College Radio plays a crucial role in developing the next generation of broadcasters of all types. And we at WDSR love College Radio Day. Greetings, this is WMTS 88.3 with Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Noise you can trust. Trust. This year for College Radio Day, we're proud to present a special moment for us here at Brave New Radio. Reporting at the White House is Promotions Director Michelle Martinez. On September 24, 2015, we were invited to the White House. We were a part of a group of 15 people to represent College Radio. The group of 15 came from just five college radio stations across the country. WNUW at Newman University, WPSC at William Patterson University, KCWU at Central Washington University, WDWN at Cayuga Community College, and Radio Warner at Warner University. We were there to tell them about college radio, but also to talk to them about some of the most important issues facing students today. Our first session, the students met with Valerie Jarrett, Senior Advisor to the President, and Kyle Learman, Associate Director of Public Engagement and Senior Policy Advisor, to discuss on the record the government's It's On Us campaign to end campus sexual assault. Welcome to the White House. We are delighted to have you all here. It's a great opportunity for us to talk to you about an initiative that's so important to both the President and the Vice President, not just as leaders of our country, but as dads, quite frankly. And as a mother of a young woman who finished college a while ago, these issues are very personal for us, as I'm sure that they are with you. And we thought, what better time, as everyone is returning to campus to begin the new school year, to keep top of mind how important it is that we join together in this campaign. It's on us, which involves everybody on college campuses, and as well as alumni and leaders from around the country to say, we're committed to changing the culture on our campuses to end sexual assault. As Valerie mentioned, we launched this campaign uh, last September 19th, so September 19th, 2014. And we really built it in a way where we wanted students around the country to take it and own it uh, and to run their own campaigns. And so we've seen an incredible amount of success in terms of uh, you know, a movement around the country and people being a part of this. 
Uh, we've been driving folks to itsonus.org and ask people to take the pledge because it's really a, a both a, a you know it's t- talking about changing culture in the community, but it's also a personal commitment for people to say, I'm going to be a part of the solution here. One in five women are sexually assaulted while in college. Uh, that's an epidemic. And it's going to require everybody's investment in ending that epidemic. Uh, I'm Nicole Mara. I'm from Central Washington University from KCWUFM. And Valerie, you had mentioned earlier a lot of the advocates that you have uh, with the task force, and you identified a lot of the, the advocates in, that are helping you with this. And um, that kind of dovetailed right into one of the questions that the students had about the, the new Lady Gaga song um, that just came out, uh, Till It Happens to You. And do you see that, because it's a very vivid video, if you've seen it, if that is actually, do you see that as helping the cause, um, having something as vivid of a message like that and those visuals, do you see that as actually helping the movement forward? Um, and also you said a lot of the victims are very uncomfortable coming forward. They don't want to come forward if, they, if something has happened to them. It, because it's such a taboo topic, should it be taught about at a younger level so it's not such a taboo topic? Really good questions, both of them. So first, Lady Gaga, um, part of It's On Us depends, as Kyle and I both said, on a campaign where everybody gets involved. Each college develops their own It's On Us campaign. They own it. They move forward with it. We have a whole range of celebrities who we've engaged who are using social media in a variety of different ways. And they will translate how they communicate about it in their own way. I think what Lady Gaga did is consistent with who she is. It's very graphic. It's very honest. It's intended to not sugarcoat what sexual assault, what rape, what it is, and the effect that it has on people who are touched by it. And so um, I commend her effort to use her, communi- her ability and her platform as a communicator to translate it into a language that's authentic to her. Um, I tweeted it out. I had more retweets on that music video than anything I've ever had since I've been on Twitter. And I think it profoundly touched a lot of people. And I think, um, and this bleeds into your second question, I think a part of why um, we have the problem we have is that for far too long we haven't felt comfortable talking about it. Her video makes you very uncomfortable. It's intended to make you uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't watch it. You should definitely, I've watched it several times now. I cried the first time I saw it. I cried the second time I saw it. I expect to cry every time I see it because I see the women in my life as those women who were raped. And so, um, I think that, um, again, why we've engaged all of you is if you use your platform to talk about this in an open and honest way, then it gives people the courage to come out of the shadows. Kyle alluded to the event we did when we launched this with the president and the vice president. The president said, you're not alone. We want the people who have survived sexual assault to know that they're not alone, that there is a whole community that's there to help support them get their lives back on track, but that the best solution is to have zero sexual assaults. Still to come, when college radio students sat down with White House officials to talk about student debt and college affordability. 
You are listening to College Radio Day. This is Abby Kopik, General Manager of 90.5 WERG at Gannon University. This is the day that College Radio comes together. College Radio Day, showcasing the unique listening alternatives of College Radio. 90.5 WERG, Erie, PA. What's up, everybody? It's Ryan Fahey from SportstownChicago.com, brought to you by the Illinois Media School Lombard Campus. Hey, College Radio Day. It's Scott, the student station manager for the Buzz FM at Black Hill State University in South Dakota. We love college radio because it's something unique and different from mainstream radio, and it gives our students practical, real-world experience even while they're still in school. Check unheard messages. Hello, this is Claudio from Coheed and Cambria, and we support College Radio and College Radio Day. Hi, this is Damien from OKGO, OK and you're listening to College Radio Day. Hey, what's up? I'm Patrick Stump, and I support College Radio Day. Hi, we're Manchester Orchestra, and we support College Radio. Hey, guys, this is Avicii, and I support College Radio Day. Hey, we're Portugal the Man, and we support College Radio. Next message. Hi, this is Chris from the band Coldplay. College Radio supports music that deserves to be heard, music that isn't played anywhere else. And we as a band, Coldplay, support the vital mission of College Radio, and we also support College Radio Day, the day that College Radio comes together. I am Ty Siegel, and I support College Radio Day. It's the best. For this special College Radio Day simulcast, founder of College Radio Day, Rob Quick, interviewed College Radio and Culture Editor, and co-founder of Radiosurvivor.com, Jennifer Waits, about the state of college radio in 2015. Really, 2014, looking back, was the year that college radio embraced low-power FM. And you mentioned that at that time, 64 colleges and universities were granted LPFM construction permits in 2014. That was a pretty huge story, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I think it's a huge story. And it, it really runs counter to any of the ideas that are still swirling around out there that young people don't care about terrestrial radio. Because to me, the great interest in applying for new low-power FM licenses from colleges and universities is a real testament to the interest in having a terrestrial college station. So I'm, I'm really heartened by that. And more than 100, by my count, you know, more than 100 college and universities applied for low-power FM licenses. And obviously, if you look back last year, by the time we had College Radio Day 2014, the big story was what was happening at Georgia State University in Atlanta with RAS, the album 88.5 FM. What is really going on there? It sort of seems to have quietened down quite a bit, hasn't it, with RAS? Yeah, it has. Although, you know, I think that there are still efforts on the parts of on the part of the people who support RAS being terrestrial, they still would like it to maintain a terrestrial presence. But yeah, I haven't heard too much lately as far as protests. But it was, you know, a pretty sad situation for students there all of a sudden to be told that the majority of their broadcast day was going to be taken over by another entity. It seems that ultimately the impact and the influence of the students and the alums and those in the community who don't want to see this happen don't seem to be having the kind of um, desired effect that they would wish. Yeah, I mean, in some of these high-profile examples that we know about, you know, the stations have not been returned to the students necessarily. But I think the protests have, have increased awareness about the fact that there are people who disagree with the decision, uh, like when KUSF was taken off of the terrestrial airwaves, um, the protests and all the legal filings ended up delaying the sale of the stations. So 
it's not it's it's not in vain i think these efforts are important and there might also be efforts that we're completely unaware of where maybe there are grumblings on a campus that something might happen to a station and maybe after obtaining feedback more under the radar maybe things have have kind of sorted themselves out before it's become a big news story so okay so if we sort of summarize then what would you say is the state of college radio right now uh, well, I think it's great, and I remain ever optimistic. I think that the energy surrounding Low Power FM has been amazing for college radio. Uh, I continue to hear reports from people that participation in college radio is incredibly high. Often college radio stations are some of the biggest activities on campus. So I just feel like college radio is in really good shape right now, and it it's surprising to me sometimes when I hear all of the pronouncements against terrestrial radio and against um, and pronouncements that students aren't interested in radio because I'm just not seeing that when I go out and visit college radio stations and talk to college radio participants. I see that people are as engaged as they ever were. So for College Radio Day, will you be doing a show on your own station or how do you plan to spend College Radio Day, if you don't mind me asking? I won't be doing my show that day, but I will definitely be listening to College Radio. And Friday is also the day that I write my College Radio Watch column on Radio Survivor. So right. I will be listening to College Radio, writing about College Radio, perhaps talking about College Radio on our podcast. <laughs> so it will be like any day for me. College Radio Day is just a, a heightened version of a typical day in my life where I'm already obsessed with College Radio. <laughs> From the Audio Engineering Department at Western Iowa Tech. Participating in the 2015 College Radio Day. This is Comma Radio. We're WPTS Radio at the University of Pittsburgh, and we are stoked to be a part of College Radio Day. This is Casey from GoMileHigh.com here at Colorado Media School in Lakewood, Colorado. Just want to give a big shout out to all the radio stations for College Radio Day. Live and rocking from the campus of Mount San Antonio College. We're 90.1 FM Mount Rock. Broadcasting from Southern California. Where the world comes to rock. Happy College Radio Day. This next piece is brought to us by KCWU-FM 88.1 The Berg, the college radio station of Central Washington University. These interviews were moderated and edited by Nick Oliver, student volunteer and assistant program director at KCWU-FM. On April 24th, co-founder of Sub Pop Records, Bruce Pavitt, and owner of K Records, Calvin Johnson, stopped by Central Washington University as part of their Sub Pop USA book tour. Sub Pop USA is a book that compiles articles from both the early days of Sub Pop magazine and the Sub Pop articles from The Rocket, a bi-weekly newspaper in the Pacific Northwest. Sub Pop USA Day included a live performance from former member of the Screaming Trees and influential member of the 90s music scene, Mark Pickerel, who included some great commentary and stories about working with Bruce and Calvin during that time. After Mark's performance, there was a Q&A with Calvin, Bruce, and Mark Pickerel, moderated by Seattle Weekly's music editor, Mark Baumgarten. The event also included live vinyl DJ sets spun by both 88 Won the Berg DJs and Calvin Johnson. 88 Won the Berg was fortunate enough to get exclusive interviews with both Bruce and Calvin, moderated by Mark Pickerel, speaking on the importance of college radio during the inception of both Sub Pop and K Records. In this excerpt from our exclusive interview with Calvin Johnson, we hear Mark Pickerel talking to Calvin about how his time in college radio influenced his career and his label. K Records. Calvin, you eventually started your own record label that you still run called K Records. What did you get back from, from all of that 
over you know, during that. And, you know, I guess I could ask you even now, like what continues to inspire you and motivate you as a label owner and as a musician? And But maybe go back and tell us a little bit about like some of the things that happened early on that um, fueled your organization, your your label, and what continues to motivate you and inspire you? Well, the, the radio idea that I was introduced to at Chaos and the concept of, of providing a voice for the disenfranchised and focusing on independent artists or unusual artists, that has been one of the, you know, it's one of the most profound influences on me as a person running a record label or being even being a fan of music. It really opened me up to all sorts of music that I had no idea of. And when I started to explore the music library at Chaos and to understand the connections between what I what I had previously thought as being completely different, had nothing to do with each other, reggae, soul, folk music, to me it was all completely different to, to start to see the connections and, the, the, and that they have a lot more in common, they have uh, differences. That was an important, um, important groundwork that laid a basis for understanding the regional aspect. What Op Magazine and Sub Pop and Chaos introduced to me was that music comes from somewhere and it has a meaning. When I got introduced to all this other kind of music and realized, well, this works on the same way. There's, there's a weird bluegrass scene in Virginia that gave birth to all these different people or that there's a regional nature to the music that it inspires people outside of their region necessarily or can influence people all over the world. In 1986, Bruce Pavitt and Jonathan Poneman formed Sub Pop Records, which achieved fame in the late 1980s for first signing Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mudhoney, and many other bands from the Seattle alternative rock scene. Credited with taking the first steps toward popularizing grunge music, Sub Pop has continued to achieve critical and commercial success with groups like Fleet Foxes, Clipping, Slater Kinney, and The Shins. In this excerpt from 881 The Berg's interview with Sub Pop co-founder Bruce Pavitt, we hear Pavitt talk about how his time in college radio led to the inception of what would become arguably one of the most influential indie labels in the business. We were talking to Calvin earlier and apparently he was like 15 years old uh, when he started working at Chaos and, and then and you were there and he was talking about how you, you loved the fact that Chaos was uh, championing indie music but they weren't uh, necessarily focused on specific genres. Uh, to them, it was just, you know, um, there was as much importance placed on, you know, bluegrass and folk as there might be on, you know, uh, electronic or ambient music or punk or whatever. And that you, um, you were more interested, uh, at least with your fanzine, and I'm guessing your, your radio show as well, in focusing on kind of not a specific kind of music, but on more adventurous and maybe more younger, more contemporary or urban sounds. Tell so, us about uh, what originally inspired you to start a fanzine and you know what were your motivations um, early on. Uh, I moved to Olympia, Washington in the fall of 1979 to attend the Evergreen State College. I moved from the Chicago area. I had participated in an alternative interdisciplinary school in Park Forest, Illinois, and I was really attracted to that kind of education. And in the late 70s, there were very few 
state-sponsored schools that provided that approach to education, Evergreen being one of the, the very few. So that's, that's what motivated me to go to Olympia, was to attend Evergreen. Coincidentally, which I did not know at the time of uh, signing up for Evergreen, they had the most progressive community radio station in America, Chaos Radio. There was Chaos was the only station in the world that prioritized independent recordings. Okay, that was a very radical idea. At the time, I was very intrigued by and inspired by the punk rock scene that was happening uh, in Chicago. And I was a, a collector of punk records. Some of those records are on indie labels. I couldn't help but notice, notice that bands like Bevo were releasing their own singles on Bougie Boy Records out of Akron. The B-52s released their own 45. They were out of Athens, Georgia. And I started to piece together in my mind the, the idea that any band could start a revolution in their own basement by putting out their own record. When I arrived at Evergreen and came to Chaos Radio, I realized that good fortune had brought me to the one station in the world that was thinking along the same lines that I was. So in starting my show Subterranean Pop, Friday nights, 8 to 10, chaos, I started digging deep into their crates and I realized that there were so many records from smaller, non-media-centric cities that were completely ignored by even the punk media. So the inspiration for my fanzine, which came out in spring of 1980, was simply to highlight independent bands that were being ignored. This College Radio Day, it's important to remember that College Radio is still a thriving resource used every day by record labels, both big and small, to gain exposure for artists like Clipping, The Shins, and Sleater Kenny. And even in the digital age, College Radio continues to be a resource to bring both new and underground music to the masses. Once again, this interview is brought to you by 881 Berg, Your Music Central, KCWU Ellensburg. It's College Radio Day 2015. Thanks for listening to this broadcast. Still to come, Stuart Copeland, an interview with Mike D'Antonio from Killswitch Engage, singer-songwriter William Elliott Whitmore, and shout-outs from college radio stations across the country. You are listening to College Radio Day.